Oh, hello! Welcome back to What's Your Number. I'm Olivia, and I'm here with good news and better news. The good news is that we are re-releasing the story of number five, a truly epic episode that we published over a year ago now. Hard to believe. Um, the better news is that next week we will have a brand new episode for you. No more re re no more we ones. <laughs> no more reruns. Okay, fresh. Hot contents coming at you. We try to keep it fresh around here all the time, but uh, I was in Egypt and then Mariah graduated and moved on like the same day, and also we both started jobs at the exact same time, so things are a little cray around here. Um, honestly though, this was a great episode, and for anyone who's new to the podcast and might have wondered why we're always talking about Mariah's number five story, well... Here's why. Yes, number five might have the distinction of being the most mentioned person on this podcast so far. There are a couple other contenders. There's my number one, my number 13, but there's something about number five. He sticks around for many an episode in an active way, and then of course keeps coming up throughout the, throughout the podcast. You know, he's like a trope at this point. So today, We'll revisit why that is and how it all started. You'll also hear my number five story because um, at the beginning of the podcast, we, well, for like the first two thirds, honestly, of the podcast, we would combine both our stories into a single episode, Um, unlike now when we separate them. But anyways, uh... So you'll also hear my number five story. I think it's up first. It's pretty run-of-the-mill, but it's entertaining all the same. And also Mariah and I are the exact same age in these two stories, which I always think is kind of fun, like when our stories are happening concurrently. Um, I'm on the East Coast worrying about oral gonorrhea. She's in Arizona falling head over heels in love. And yeah, I just really like the way Mariah tells this story in this episode too because she really puts you in the plays of an 18-year-old girl at her first week of college who has just beat the love of her fucking life, just met the love of her fucking life. Like, what a time to be alive. So yeah, enjoy. <laughs> and see you next week for that fresh, hot content. Hello everyone, you're listening to What's Your Number? The chronicles of two well-traveled women as told through sexual experiences. I'm Olivia and I'm in Barcelona. And I'm Mariah, recording from Austin, Texas. And this is the podcast where we relive the cringiest, most tragic, and sexiest moments of our lives in an effort to answer the question, what's your number?
Today we're talking about number five, lucky number five. <laughs> um, <laughs> but to kick us off today, we thought we'd have a little convo about um, some of the sex scenes from Bridgerton. Yeah, we've both been watching, or we both watched until we couldn't watch anymore. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, I did watch the whole thing, but you were saying before that at a certain point, it was just much too much. Um, yeah, the virginity but- scene specifically. Oh, yeah. Um, before we get into this, we should probably say spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Okay, now. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if you haven't seen it, like, what are you even doing with your life? <laughs> yeah, seriously. If you haven't seen it, you have, like, way too much going on, apparently. You're way too busy. You need to cut out some extracurriculars because... It's a delight. It's fucking everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's a delight, honestly. Like, I thought it was really fun to watch, like, the costume. You know, I love costumes and accents, personally. Yeah, I love that. I love that period, like, period yeah. pieces in general. Yeah. So, yeah. Super fun. Yeah. And, okay, so the sex scene. So, there's, like, okay, so there's the virginity scene. Um right. There's... I guess we could also talk about the masturbation scene. And then there's also, like, a few scenes with, um, you know, the opera singer and the brother in the beginning. Right, right. Yeah. Those scenes are very, like, uh, effusive. If you, you know, they're very, like, there's just so much movement. <laughs> yeah, they're always, like, twisting around. Or then when she's, like, standing up under the um, bleachers at the boxing match or something. And it's, like... Right, yeah. Yeah. Because you're definitely going to, I mean, I just, every time I see, like, two people fully standing and having sex, I'm like, okay, you can definitely do that for, like, a few minutes, but I don't think anyone's, like, going to make no it gonna come. Way home with that. Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to come doing that. Um, I I like it when uh, my partner does that just because it's, like, kind of hot. It's like, I'm like, ooh, you're so strong. And, like, you're just throwing yeah. me around like a rag doll. <laughs> <laughs> like that no no, no I like it too but I'm just like I, I don't expect him to do it for like more than five minutes I mean five minutes seems like a long time yeah agreed and it's never like I don't know you just it's not as good as when you have something to like push against. you know like it doesn't feel like as good right it's more for just yeah the fun of it <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um, I thought it was interesting, like the I guess before we get into the into the virginity scene, which parallels so nicely with our own virginity stories. Right. It's I mean, basically like seeing my own experience on the screen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like especially, you know, there's the there's the penis reveal that the the great right. penis reveal, which is just like wow, it's just it's just a lot. The un unsheathing of the sword. <laughs> But yeah, but before we get into that, I guess just like a word. I feel like the um, the opera singer gets so hypersexualized. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, you know? yeah. She, I mean, like many a soprano, I imagine. I don't know. I don't know what the opera scene is like in real life, but well, you know. she's really talented for one, and then they treat her like she's just like this like floozy. But I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's the kind of the point that they're trying to make is that society obviously kind of marked her as such you know um and when it necessarily it wasn't necessarily true but yeah I guess like that's what those sex scenes kind of communicate to me the like effusive like 
you know, <laughs> uh, very um, <laughs> athletic sex scenes that she's just – She's just hypersexualized. She's just like such a kinky lady, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 right. Exactly. And where else is this buttoned up, problematic, toxic man going to get it out if not with her? Totally. No wonder he can't stay away. Yeah. Yeah, and in some ways kind of relatable too because I feel like he hypersexualizes her in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. and then like, there's the scene in the beginning where he was like, oh, I have to go like be like a, you know, protect my sister or whatever. And and then she's like, oh, and then he's like, I'll protect you too or something. So I feel like right. she does want, you know, the thing that other people want as well. She wants like stability and like a family and, you know, she wants to be a normal person, but he's right. just like, you're just like my sex toy basically. Did you so you didn't see the end, right? I didn't see the end. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> Are you going to? Um I don't know. I okay. yeah, you can tell me what happens. It's fine. I was going to say you're exactly right because in the end she ends up with this nice guy that has a nice and simple home and they have a nice life there, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And she rejects the whatever his name is, the brother. Yeah. 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 I mean, the whole thing is just kind of like, okay, whatever. I mean, there's a lot going on in this show. But I guess to me, the it, it just, I couldn't really get over how little foreplay there was in the sex scenes and how in all the simultaneous orgasms and right. just how unrealistic it was. And I guess. I mean, obviously, that was a conscientious choice on their part, but it just is confusing. Like, there's that scene, you know, where she um, gets her period. Well, maybe you haven't seen this part, but there's a scene where she gets her period and she, you know, takes out the kerchief and it's covered in real period blood. I mean, probably not real period blood, but it looks real, you know? So it's like, on the one hand, okay, so you can show the period blood and all this stuff, like something that we don't really see on TV. But you won't even cut away from a single sex scene to give the, to just let the possibility exist that this lasted more than, that she needed more than 13 seconds to come. No, I know. It, I think from it's penetration. like, it's full of a lot of like weird contradictions like that because on the one hand, um, you know, when she like loses her virginity or when she starts talking to him about sex, even back in the, in the um, scene where he tells her to touch herself or whatever. And she's, uh-huh. like, exploring that. Like, on the one hand, it's bringing – it's, like, bringing human – or female um, pleasure, like, more into the spotlight of this, like, period right. drama, you know? So, like, go, like, congratulations. Good job, Shonda Rhimes, um, uh-huh. <laughs> we'll say. I'm sure she's, like, thank you. <laughs> she's, like, thank you. <laughs> okay, let me just say I love Shonda Rhimes because her, like, shows are just really fucking entertaining. She's great. Always. Yeah, she's she never one- fails to entertain No, she's absolutely wonderful. So, like, on the one hand, there's that. And then – but on the other hand, it's like, but we're going to act like the penis is, like, the next best thing to slice bread. And we're going to act like you should be coming within 13 seconds. Right. Right. And, And like – that the first time you have sex – I don't know. Doesn't feel like someone's, like, cutting you open. (laughs) Right. 
As if that's not just what's happening. It's just weird because they made such a big deal out of the virginity and she was so curious and she was so trying to figure out what was going to happen. And she was so turned on and she was so titillated and everything. And then to just, it felt like so anticlimactic. Then she just goes, and it's over. (laughs) Yeah, I was, it was, it was disappointing. It was disappointing. Like I want I mean I guess one of the points that maybe it was trying to make was because they had a love marriage she got like because there there was like the build up to her wedding night where the queen's like oh well enjoy your wedding night and like Mm -hmm. it seems like all the women were kind of like it's gonna be hell basically and then for her it wasn't because she had a love marriage I think was maybe partly uh the plot point that they were trying to what they were trying to communicate possibly but it doesn't matter how much you love the person. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, speaking from experience. <laughs> yeah. She's never been touched before by a man. Like, she's yeah. he's, she's never been fingered. She's never, like, had Never been him. finger blasted. <laughs> she's never even had – she's never been finger blasted. She's never even had him, like, rub her clit from outside her, like, petticoats, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, you got to start outside the pantaloons. Yeah, she's only, like, masturbated, like, a few times, you know? So, and then all of a sudden, she's coming during penetration. I guess she just has, like, a magic pussy. Right. That does explain it. So, it was, oh, I didn't realize it was magical realism. Okay, well, that's fine then. (laughs) It, you know, weirdly does kind of feel like magical realism in some ways to me. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not trying to be super realistic. It isn't. It isn't. I mean, the pacing of it too, like in in some way, it's just like everything kind of happens in a flurry and, you know, um, the pacing is just so fast and so slow and it's so sensationalist, you know, and there's, it does a good job of, of like really kind of uh, building, building the tension and um, I don't know, keeping, keeping things flowing at like a, a rapid pace, keeping the currents running high, you know? Yeah. That, that um, is what, yeah. Shonda, Shonda always delivers on that. I would say for sure. She knows but, how to pace. Exactly. But then you have the sex scene. That's like this long fucking slow drawn out sex scene. And it's like, I don't know. It was just like a chance for it to be interesting. Like it, I was so I Agreed. was just watching it like oh my god up until that point and then af- honestly after the virginity scene I was just like <sighs> it just it was too cheesy yeah you lost me yeah exactly <laughs> and also the sex montage of the newlyweds having sex like by the mausoleum and on the desk yeah. and it, hanging from a ladder and it's just like ah. This woman is going to get a UTI. <laughs> do you ever think about that? Every time I get a UTI, I'm like, what did they do in what did they do about this in the times when you couldn't even drink water? Yeah, maybe she, I mean, maybe she just didn't know what a UTI was. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I mean, you're pissing. I mean, she's pissing blood. No, I mean, I just don't really <laughs> How does that work? I mean, I always think about this every time I get a UTI and I'm like, there's something kind of just off with this whole system. Yeah. If every time I have sex with someone new, mm-hmm. I mean, not every time, but, you know, if I don't immediately urinate, blah, blah, blah. It's like, why Why is it always getting infected? And then is this an evolutionary thing? I mean, ever since the cave women, has this been an issue? And if so, how did they fix it? 
Yeah, to play devil's advocate, maybe, um, and I, I know this isn't true, but, you know, just to have this conversation, maybe, like, her bacterial uh, protect her, like, good bacteria, which is so overgrown because she, like, bathes so, like, irregularly. Uh, uh-huh, so maybe uh-huh. her defenses like, were nice and strong. So yep. she was just, like, she could handle any, you know, any crusted over uh, amount of semen. Right, because oh, that here's another crusty. thing. He's not coming inside her, right? Right. So that I think that also kind of helps because I think that there's something um, about the pH of semen that it does make you have more. Uh, it's it's not necessarily the bacteria. Sometimes this is what I I've, I've heard. Um, you know, this is again. There's no real research on this shit because no one no one really cares. This is all just Jesus. like. This is just um, wisdom passed around from woman to woman because that's yeah. what fucking – that's what you have to do. You go to the doctor. They give you a really strong – like, uh, I mean, bookmark this. I'll get back to this in a second because personal experience alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, they give you <laughs> really strong – wisdom. Yeah. They give you really strong antibiotics and then you're just like – you go through the same process over and over again because it kills all your bacteria. Right. And you get infected again and it's just – Anyway, um, sorry, Scott. No, no, I know. I mean, I, yeah, recently had a UTI and I was like, couldn't have sex for, I don't know, a few days and it was kind of uncomfortable. And yeah, my boyfriend was like, shouldn't you go to the doctor? And I was like, that's the last thing I should do. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I just didn't want to get into that cycle because I've been in it before and sometimes there's nothing you can do. But I feel like you have to do everything you can to avoid it because it is – it's definitely a pH. It's definitely a pH element, but I've never really understood it. Yeah, so – and I don't know for sure, but I think sometimes with uh, – I think this might be more like the yeast infection um, mm-hmm. aspect, but I think sometimes the pH can – it just throws the imbalance of your vagina off and creates an environment that can grow vact- bacteria better okay so that's again i come back with like so that's the best evolution could come up with I yeah mean, come on i wonder if, if part of it is um is like the patriarchy like evolution is like it goes hand in hand with the patriarchy because it's like they don't want us sleeping around you know they want us sticking with our man um creating that oxytocin okay. and procreating essentially and procreating so is that why when you're with someone for a while then or it's not it's not as much of a problem the longer you're with someone. I think it is. I mean, I definitely know for a fact I've had OBGYNs tell me like, oh, you were probably just getting used to your new partner's bacteria. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely know when it's like it's a foreign bacteria. Also, I've had friends tell me, and I think I've experienced this myself, but sometimes you just don't jive with a person's bacteria. Sure. Yeah. Battle of the bugs. I kind of had a weird, uh, an interesting scenario. So, like, um, my ex-boyfriend, uh, <laughs> which one, you ask? <laughs> <laughs> I was just uh, about to. My most recent ex-boyfriend. Um, so, we obviously had sex without a condom, like, the whole time we were together, which is, like, a year and a half. And then I went to Europe for five months. And we broke up, and so I was, like, hooked up with some other people. When I went back to Columbia, we were hooking up a bit, and we had sex without a condom. And, like, oh, my God, I, like, would just get – I'd get a UTI, like, instantly. Damn. And it was weird. And I was, like, you know, I I don't know. 
it it was super weird that all of a sudden it was like my body knew that he was bad for me. So it was like creating, it was like engineering this like reaction. It was like, stop that. having sex with him, you know? Yeah, like stop it. No, really. No, like stop it. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. I mean, I, I I would totally believe that, honestly. Also, I just, I, it is weird. Yeah, that that would change. Because what else would, I mean, unless your bacteria really changes that much in five months, maybe it does. Not a doctor. I don't know. I mean, I guess all uh, by that point, it just became a foreign. It became foreign bacteria again. It was like I was accustomed to it. Then I got accustomed to not having it. I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. I never knew that about the semen. I mean, I've never noticed. I guess I just don't have. I haven't had sex without a condom in a while. I mean, I haven't had semen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in a while. Anyways. Yeah. That was that's another thing I wanted to discuss about Bridgerton, by the way. Um, oh yeah, I haven't again. I haven't watched like the last few episodes of it, but so basically, isn't his plan? He's gonna not come inside her because he doesn't want to have a kid. Yeah, for his whole life, he's yeah. just gonna pull out for his whole life. Yeah, he's gonna pull out for his whole entire life. But and she's never gonna get pregnant from pre cum. I mean, come on, like that happens yeah. all the time. Twenty seven percent chance. And if you're fucking all the time, that's you're. <laughs> That's plenty. So wait, what happens in the end? Does he get her – do they get pregnant or – I don't know if I should tell you. <laughs> Fuck, now I have to watch it. I mean, I could potentially tell you when we stop recording, but I don't think the people would appreciate <laughs> No. Okay. No, let's not Let's not tell like the end of it. Um, you're right. We don't have to spoil more than is necessary. But yeah. now that we're having this conversation, I need to watch the rest of it. But I also find that, that to be extremely unrealistic that – just not coming in, like, using the pull-out method and not having any, like, not even paying attention to, like, her cycle. Like, if she's ovulating right. and you're pre-coming, yeah, that's yeah. – that sounds like how babies are created. Yeah, it sounds awfully, awfully like that. <laughs> yeah. And when I say awfully, I mean awful. <laughs> um, So should we uh, – Get along to the episode? Yeah, I was just about to say that. Um, all right, well, who's going first? Oh, I think it's my turn. Okay, perfect. How you paint yourself beneath your clothes So no one will ever know How you painted me People might remember um, that from three, four, two, three, and, and four, that I'm at college. Um, and this story takes place the night before my second semester of college. And I kind of think of this one as the third part of a trilogy of hookups. Some might say a trilogy. And I would. But anyways, they were just all kind of, you know, very casual. And that's kind of what I'm doing at this time in my life. I'm finding out what that's all about. Um, so, yeah, we had classes the next day, but everyone was partying anyway at a house party on campus. Kind of what you'd imagine, you know, red solar cups and sticky floors. And um, I'm on the dance floor with a friend of mine who was my wing woman throughout college um, because, you know, she was gorgeous and she was a great dancer. She loved to party. And she always 
brought me a lot of confidence, I think. Just, you know, people were always happy to see her. And she taught me basic salsa steps and how to do the, you know, that little turn um, to the right. And it took me a long time to get that down. We were in our dorm rooms for a long time getting that salsa turned down. She's like, you can do it. And I did it. <laughs> um, Sounds like a it great just friend. She was, oh gosh, such a, such a gem. And I mean, cause before I met her, I really didn't know that I could dance at all. I didn't go clubbing or anything like in high school. And it's not like at my high school, we had big parties with dance floors or that we were going to festivals or anything. I wasn't in that scene at all. So in, you know, number one, he would dance a slow dance with me at prom, basically. Oh, do I? Yeah. I do not picture number one as a dancer. <laughs> not really. I, I mean, you know, he just, yeah, it wasn't really his thing. I remember people, we were out risky. of school. Too Yeah, it's just people, yeah, he was not his, not his vibe at all. I remember people in high school being like, are you going to ask her to dance? You know, because we were dating and he'd be like, maybe a slow dance. And so, I mean, we had fun, but. Um, yeah, this just kind of marks a time when dancing would become a big part of my life and of my sex life, honestly, like a lot of, I mean, less so now during the pandemic, but so many of my stories start, start or end on the dance floor or both. <laughs> and, you know, now to this day, I still dance salsa every week, even with a mask on and everything. It's crazy. Um, anyway, so this night was the first night I seduced a man on the dance floor. And I was there with my friend, and I had these stilettos on because I used to wear heels um, because I didn't love myself. And um, <laughs> that sums it up, basically. <laughs> right? Yeah. Really hard to get me to put some heels on in this day and age. But, yeah, I used to wear them all the time. And this guy came up, comes up. Um, and I knew him, you know, he's a cutie from my class and we danced together for a while and I was feeling pretty good because he was, uh, sort of universally acknowledged hottie, which as I've spoken about is kind of my thing was kind of my thing. Try to dance with that hot guy, I guess. And, um, you know, maybe if I hook up with hot people, then that means I'm hot. And if I'm hot, then maybe that means everything will be okay. So, yeah, we left the party together. And my dorm room was right across the street. So we're going over there um, back to my place when I just splat, fall down in the middle of the goddamn street. <laughs> and, like, I don't know if it was the heels. I don't know if it was just all the drinking or the fact that, yeah, I'd been dancing so much. But it's like my legs give gave out. I still remember that. And he just kind of picks me up and, like, the – sort of like you would a drunk friend, which is probably what I was. Um, and although I just find I remember this all so vividly, like how drunk could I have been? But yeah, he kind of like brings, like picks me up and just sort of like drags me into my room. Not, that sounds weird, but um, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is that I just wonder what the people who were watching us thought, you know? I mean, this was right. very pre-Me Too, I think. It was. Yeah, when we were in college, it was there was just not as much awareness around this type of thing. 
Um, no, but definitely not. But it sounds like you were down though. I mean, it sounds like I you, definitely were, was. you were pretty down. Um, what did, yeah, what did yeah. this guy look like? I feel like I, I need a coaching. visual. Oh, he was just um, like very athletic and beautiful person. Yeah. He, and he's aged really well, I have to say. I don't know. I, I don't want to give too many physical details, but yeah, he's jacked, I think okay. is what we I could definitely say that. <laughs> Hot body. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. Um, I like and, how we're just like objectifying these men. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're like, we don't, we don't lead with the, their accomplishments necessarily. No, definitely not. <laughs> just, These are their personalities. <laughs> That's all you got to say. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. 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 Like he was able to pick me up like a sack of potatoes and I was into that. Um, but someone yeah. who can uh, who you can lean on when you're when you're trashed wearing a pair of stilettos <laughs> in the middle of winter. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. Carry me, carry me up to the third floor, and he did. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe because I was kind of drunk, that's why we didn't. There wasn't any PIV, but I do remember I gave him a blowjob that was successful. Which, as we know, that means I swallowed and everything because that <laughs> is the time of life. That we're in. <laughs> Successful. Yeah, that's a funny way to put it. Yeah. Very funny. Oh my Love god. It. Yeah, you just just gulped it down. Love gulped it. it right down. Oh god. Yeah. Yep. And <laughs> and he had one of the biggest sticks that I've ever seen. And I didn't really know what to do with it. I mean <laughs> I especially because at this time I didn't know that you could use your hands in a blowjob. I still mm-hmm. thought that like the whole point was to just be there sort of mom look at me no hands yeah you know but without the mom part obviously just slobber but, all over it. yeah yeah just trying to deep throat it but that was yeah. physically impossible and I'm sure he knew that <laughs> you know anyways he was very polite um I just nice. remember a polite guy with he, a big dick that's yeah I guess that makes sense though big dick energy yeah it's big like dick he energy. didn't have that much to prove you know exactly. um yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so he told me, you know, he wasn't going to stay because he had class in the morning that he'd had a really nice time. I remember him saying that I had a really nice time. It was so formal. And yeah, very polite and leaving. And um, so the next day I was hanging out with my girlfriends and telling them the story of what had happened with him. And one of my friends at the time um, I say at the time because I eventually realized that she was a total narcissist. She tells me that since I gave number five a blowjob, that I should probably get tested because he had, and I quote, hooked up with almost every girl in our class, and that in all likelihood, I had probably contracted oral gonorrhea. Oh my God. This is hilarious. <laughs> when you first told me the story, I was like, does oral gonorrhea even exist? Like, what is that? You do not hear about that STD very frequently, I have to say. That, no. That's a, <clears throat> yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's. The, <laughs> the chances of me having oral gonorrhea were slim to none, <laughs> but <laughs> that didn't really, that didn't really matter uh. to me because I just, I was, you know, I had been flying high on all these new sexual experiences after three or four years with the same guy. And then splat again, you know, came crashing down to earth like 
with this thought of oral gonorrhea. And, and I'm assuming you Googled it. You Google imaged that shit, I'm sure. I immediately Google imaged it, yes. And I would encourage everyone to do the same. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, no, I think, you know, afterwards I go into kind of a tailspin because after this hookup in general and then, then that conversation because I think I'm just having all this anxiety about promiscuity and I don't really have the tools to deal with it you know nowadays I if I get freaked out about having gotten an STI I can at least remember you know what Dan Savage says about how it's a it's you know um, socially acceptable to snowboard in trees even though you might die and you know you should wear a helmet you should take the precautions but we respect people's decisions to live their own lives as long as they don't put other people's lives in danger and do things even though they could die from it. And that's kind of how I think about STDs too. It's, I mean, it's part of having sex and it's part of, it's part of life. But at this time I had never felt at risk before. So I, you know, totally freaked out. And then another thing that I, that happened, another part of the tailspin was that number five didn't ever text me. And that hurt my feelings, and I talked to my friends about it, and, you know, they all told me basically, well, you can't text him first. (laughs) And that made me feel like college was the most misogynist place I had ever been. I was like, why not? I mean, how is this really happening that I have to wait for him to text me? And yet that just was the rule because the – Worst thing you could be as a girl in hookup culture or, you know, at least at this college was desperate. Right. Not okay. And yeah. Yeah, that's, that is ridiculous. It's funny how when we're, when we were that age, I think it was felt like more of like a hard and fast rule. Whereas now I definitely just do whatever I want, you know, like of course. With, with regard to texting it is ridiculous how, like, I feel like guys, I feel like guys don't like that, you know? Like, I've, I mm-hmm. I definitely have noticed as I've gotten older that guys love being ignored. They just, they just <laughs> love a good, they, do. they love it when you play hard to get. Um, but fuck that. Like, you get to do whatever you want and, you know, guys should be able to, to handle it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, I don't know. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, what's crazy is that that they're getting all this messaging that – I mean, we're all just getting all this messaging like we should be playing hard to get and they should be loving the thrill of the chase and uh, it's so right. gross. And I felt even though I was definitely a lot less mature and a lot less experienced, I definitely knew that I was not down for that. I didn't have a way – I don't think I had the wherewithal to – say fuck that I'm gonna do what I want as you just said um but I think I at least knew that if I couldn't beat them I wasn't gonna join them either (laughs) you know yeah so I I um called number one and I had him come or I asked him to come down to Philly and see me and um 
you know, because we were still in a relationship or in an open relationship at the time. And so he agreed and said he'd book his ticket. And then he called me a few hours later and told me that actually he couldn't come because he called his parents to ask permission. And they said <laughs> no. <laughs> so keeping in mind, number one is 18, living 3,000 miles away from his parents. But they had a really tight hold on him nonetheless. And I mean – he was beholden to them financially, so they could and would restrict his movements that way. And I also think culturally, you know, being 18 just didn't mean much to them. Like, as opposed right. to my family, it's kind of like you turn 18 and and good luck. No. Yeah, you're <laughs> not, on your own. Of course, not exactly. But there's a, there's some, some of that is definitely going on. They definitely didn't restrict my movements anymore. Um and so that was always a hard thing for us to get on the same page about. And I don't think I had a lot of cultural understanding or sensitivity about it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they he was their kid and they didn't think that it was a good idea for us to be together. So they told him that he couldn't come visit me. Mm-hmm. And they thought I was manipulative. And I mean, I probably was because I think a yeah. lot of eighteen-year-old girls are manipulative. It's I mean, when you don't have much power, right? That's what you resort to, you know. And right. just you know, and I'm sure also not having my family around in boarding school, I needed a lot from him, or I wanted a lot from him, and his parents also wanted a lot from him. And they're such a close family, and had always spent so much time together. I think my pulling him away was um was hard on them and so he poor guy he had a lot of pressure on him from both sides right. and i guess you know i don't really see why at this point they continued to fuck with us so much cuz we had made our decision to stay together and and everything but at so at that point you know i just i had had it i told him to either figure it out or that we were going to be we're going to have to end the relationship because, and I mean, that's probably what they meant when they said she's manipulative, <laughs> um, <laughs> laying down yeah. ultimatums all the time. But you know, when you're young, you're dramatic. And I also think that I would say the same thing now in a lot of ways as an adult that I was dating long distance. If you have to call your parents every time we want to hang out, it's not really sustainable. So I don't think that's that manipulative. That's just saying this is my standard of the person that I want to be with. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and speaking yeah. to like the power thing too, I was just thinking it's um I think when I was in my twenties was sort of the first time that I started hooking up with people and started realizing like, oh, not everyone's obsessed with me. Like because my yeah. first few relationships were like they would do anything. So it kind right. of I think the thing I'm kind of noticing in your story is there's this one guy who didn't text you back and you're like, wait, I'm used to people being obsessed with me basically. Right. And then number one kind of like, maybe you needed to assert, not assert your dominance, but you just needed to like flex your muscles and be appreciated. You know, you need it. Totally. (laughs) I think that's a really good insight. Definitely. Like I was not, I'm going to take no for an answer in this particular instance. Yeah, and I really needed to – I think I just needed to be validated, you know, and that's yeah. always what I went to number one for. Yeah. And I think it was mutual, but um, I got a lot out of 
of a lot of validation out of that relationship for sure because yeah he he was very dedicated um and so this time is no different really i don't remember how but he ended up figuring a way out a way to come he maybe put it on my debit card or something i'm not really (laughs) sure um and then so you know he came down to see me and it was so nice and we like cuddled and whatever and always as always we're just like such a comfort That's to each other vanilla sex no we're just kidding uh, <laughs> no, I mean joking, it wasn't well anyways I'm not assuming I, that it was vanilla with you guys but I'm just picturing like 18 year old sex it's very vanilla I feel it so. is very vanilla totally yeah. totally yeah no I mean at this point though we'd been together for a while so we were kind of wiling out but I don't yeah. wanna I, I feel like yeah I try not to Blow blow up his spot more than I already do for number one. <laughs> so for number one. God, if these guys only knew in the moment, like, you know, don't fuck this girl. You might be in a podcast one day. To be they fair, I feel like run. a lot of people might have potentially been, been able to guess that in more recent years for me. But yeah, maybe number five would have texted me back. Maybe some people <laughs> would have been down with it. <laughs> Yeah, Number five, you could have had a much bigger role in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you missed out. Um, no, he's married now and I think very happy. But anyways. He's probably so- happy with his role. It's all we know about him is abs. He was hot and he has a big dick. <laughs> a big dick. You know? yes, <laughs> I think, I think complaints? he's probably, yeah, no complaints on his end. And also polite. <laughs> polite. God, I gave him everything. <laughs> Um, okay, it's so true. Yeah, I mean, um, and I think he, you know, he brought me back to number one in a way. I just wanted the experiment to be over. I was glad that we'd done it, and honestly, I still am. I think that was super important. Um, but I'd kind of seen what was out there, and it wasn't that great. Yeah. You know, I really didn't like the hookup scene, as I said, and I still don't like the games that people play in order to out chill each other in order to show that they aren't desperate yeah and i wanted and still want intimacy and in this moment i wanted my dude um and i just wanted to have that intimacy that you know we had been kind of cultivating you can definitely have a lot of intimacy in an open relationship but i think i just knew that the hookup scene at, at that college, especially at a small college, um, wasn't going to work for me emotionally. So I just kind of wanted to take a step back and really invest in number one. So that was it. We stayed together to the end of college, and it would be many years before I seduced another man on the dance floor. <laughs> but after that, there would be many more to come. Indeed. Um, Yeah, I think I really think that you're making a good point about the whole open relationship thing. I don't think that being open should ever come at the expense of intimacy. Like, I think, and this isn't to say um, that you guys weren't intentional about going into this because you guys, as you had mentioned to me at some point, like your your relationship was was much more almost mature than you guys were in a way. Yeah, Um, but I think some some people, especially at that age, and you know, I think this would happen for one or two of my relationships in the future, but the the open thing would just kind of be a band-aid. It would just be like, oh, well, let's just open it up so we can fuck other people. But then now as, yeah. as like 
you know, as a, a late adolescent, as you say, <laughs> I definitely see openness as like requiring more intimacy and communication than I'm sometimes even willing to put into it. Yeah, um, it's more work. Exactly, exactly. Like you have to be willing to to do the work and you have to, yeah, to to build intimacy with your partner, but allow space for whatever it is that, you know, you guys determine is how you see your openness. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's a lot of work. Exactly. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's not always like, it's not, it's not all fun and games, you know? No, it's definitely not. Yeah. It's a lot of scheduling. It seems like. For sure. I mean, and- yeah, we were long distance, so it was kind of, that simplified things, I think. But even still, I was also realizing that people were still going to think of me as unavailable in a lot of ways. I mean, people who might have wanted to be in a relationship weren't, they, they had met number one at this point. Number one had come and visited and he was always around and people knew him. People who didn't even know me that well knew him just because he was around quite a bit. We didn't live that far apart. And so I kind of realized that while people would be down to hook up and stuff, um, no one was going to really think of me as dateable. Yeah. And I think, um, this is, you know, you know, not to get too much into, uh, I I had recently had a discussion with my boyfriend, my current boyfriend about, you know, openness and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think he was, you know, without blowing up his spot, I think he, he's definitely more interested in just the hookup element. Whereas to me, I, I think I had uh, the same feeling that you did at that time, which is if it's just about having random hookups, I'm not sure I'm that interested to be honest. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. Because I don't really enjoy sex without intimacy as much. I mean, which is not necessarily true, but I I think that there's something about, when you're single and you hook up with people, there's, you can get to know someone, you can fully be in it. There's the potential you could date. I mean, a lot of times you don't, but um, it seems like you, there was something about the fact that people saw you as taken where you felt like there wasn't as much in it for you to just hook up with people. Exactly. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I would agree with for me now. Like I would, Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, yeah. Like, it's not just about volume of sexual intercourse that you're able to have, right? No, totally. I mean, I think going into it, like it was, you know, it was a great experience in the sense that I needed to see some other dicks, you know, I needed yeah. to know, I don't know, I needed to yeah. see some other shit that was out there. I mean, at this point, that's really how I felt. At that point, sexually, that's how I felt. I need some some more experiences or that was one of the many things I was feeling right. Cause as you right. know, I was feeling a lot, but right. one thing I did think was, yeah, I mean, I've been with my high school boyfriend. Do we really want to go to college together and just stay oh, together yeah. and not have any of those experiences of being in college? So thankfully we gave each other some room and we would continue to open it up and close it up in a complicated sort of negotiating <laughs> system yeah. that honestly, I think we, we worked out pretty well for the most part, but um, you know, more on that later. But anyways, the point being that, yeah, I'm glad at that, you know, at so, there's certain times in your life when you do need to 
experiment or you do just need to spice it up if you've been married for I don't you know or you've been with one person for a really long time I think sometimes people do really just need that but at that particular moment once oral gonorrhea came into it I was like is this worth it yeah (laughs) yeah and I think that 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 is really mature of you guys to be able to kind of talk about that and navigate that because you're right I mean you need to be exposed to other people and you, know, mm-hmm. you need to live your life at that age. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of that age, so 18-year-old Mariah. 18-year-old Mariah, yeah. I don't remember if we've uh, hinted about this at all, uh, about the significance of number five for me, because we've recorded this so many times that I honestly forget <laughs> Yeah, everybody, please bear with us if we refer to things that we said that we straight up haven't said because we are so confused Yeah, about what we've said, when, and to whom, and where. Yeah. So we're going to try and keep it on topic, but there might be a few of those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so my number five um, happens at a time in my life when I am really just kind of thriving and and growing and just kind of like full of energy. Um, So it's the summer after my senior year of high school. And I have just hooked up with number four, who I met at a rock concert. And um, we hooked up in his Subaru, if you guys remember correctly. Um, And now it's time for me to go to college. And I'm very, very excited for this moment. I mean, I've been looking forward to this moment since I was like in middle school. Uh, it's, it's my, my time to leave the town that I grew up in, which is really tiny and, you know, just smell you later, bitches. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just go off and, um, do all the exciting things that I've always dreamed about and become a woman, you know, I guess. I'm not (laughs) sure what I was like envisioning it to be like, but I just knew that it was going to be amazing. So I'm driving down there with my parents, um, My friends had helped me to pack up my childhood bedroom, you know, throwing, throwing in whatever they could find. And, you know, obviously a lot of that stuff would just come right back, um, very in very short order because who needs, as I think you mentioned in a previous recording of this, their music box. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And by the way, if you want to say something that I've said before and just take credit for it, you can. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I w- like, I'll know I said I it. I wanted to give credit where credit was due, but. <laughs> I appreciate that, but have full, yeah, you have full range. It never. This is, this is both of our babies. Yeah. Yeah. It never <laughs> ceases to amaze me. Like the things that you accrue as a high school student when, you know, you're living at your parents' house and you just have no oh awareness God. of like what stuff is and that you'll someday have to deal with it. No, you're just. Oh my god, I have so much fucking shit yeah. in Montana. <laughs> just all those buckle jeans and um, you know all those earrings, the rhinestone tops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had like an earring collection. Like, don't wear earrings now, really. You know. So. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. can you do? Um, but yeah, so my friends are throwing all my stuff into my dad's truck, and then I'm driving down there. Uh, I. My dad had a single cab pickup at the time and my dad's in the driver's seat most of the time. And then my mom's in the passenger seat and I'm right in the middle. And the funny part of this (laughs) mental image is the fact that I didn't like my parents' music. So 
I'm listening to my iPod a lot of the time, um, which is just <laughs> about what you'd expect from your parents um, who are from your teenage kid who you're taking to college. And uh, it's dude, my mom would have slapped me upside the head. She would have been like, I'm driving you to college. You will converse with me and unwrap chocolates as I drive. Well, I think to be fair, we did drive like through the night or something, something ridiculous okay. like that. So I think like my parents yeah, were like yeah. sleeping part of the time. And yeah. And then I was like driving. And right. yeah. So I, I think I was, we definitely conversed a bit. I was in great spirits. You know, <laughs> I was probably like the nicest in that moment that I had been all previous four years combined. Um, but yeah, so we're, where are we driving? You ask, um, we are driving down to Arizona. Um, I will be attending school in a kind of smaller town in Arizona and it's a really small kind of, um, non-traditional college that I have chosen because it seems really hipster and artsy, you know? So I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do this. I, I thought I was pretty special. The college was for, you know, (laughs) special, interesting people. And so I was like, sure, sign me up. Right. How do you know you're special if you don't go to a special college? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I do remember um, I had I had applied to like, I think the other school that I was going to go to was, um, what is the name of that school? Uh, Gonzaga. Oh, that would have been a different vibe. I know. Isn't it funny? Like they like gave me like a, like uh-huh. a pretty decent scholarship and all the, all that stuff. But I, at the end of the day, like I've just applied to it because it was like a good school, you know, but oh God, it would have yeah. been the wrong fit, you know, it would have just Ooh, been, yeah. it would have just not been right. So yeah. So there was something about this college that did feel That's right because it was just like so uh-huh. kind of quirky and random, you know, so I was really excited. Um, another reason why I'm really excited is because uh, I don't have to move into the dorms. I get to move into a real house because they don't really have dorms. They only have, they have like under a thousand undergraduates. Um, so they do have some okay, like, tiny. yeah, they have some, um, you know, they have some, uh, what are they, underclassmen like housing, but it's basically just uh, an apartment. And what I've decided to do is um, go onto the housing board, the forum um, that was available for students and find some other students to rent a house with. And um, so I go on, I went on the forum and I had found a couple other people who were potentially interested in getting a house and then I ended up finding, I'm pretty sure I was the one who found it, um, but I found like a six bedroom. Uh, basically, it's a double wide trailer that's been added onto to become a six bedroom house. Um, but it has like a double lot and like a cool looking yard. And like, it doesn't look like a trailer is what I reassure my friends when I tell them all about it. So <laughs> it's quite the image, but like, how? how yeah, just six bedrooms added on because what it originally probably was like two bedrooms. Yeah, I think the original, yeah, the original bedrooms of the house are, like, definitely dark kind of, you know, I guess, trailer-style house, like, apart uh, bedrooms, I, I guess. So there's uh-huh. they're sort of in, like, the front and back of the house. And then, like, there's basically, like, yeah. two wings that have been added right. on. And honestly, nice. they do make the house look way nicer because there's a ton of windows and it, you know, it's, like, really spacious. It's on a double lot. And, um, yeah, it just – it feels very, like, southwestern. So you wouldn't be able to tell. It's like a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. It is – it's a – Like, the middle part. Yeah. And then, like, the two wings cutting yeah. off. Yeah, and, like, um, so each of the outside bedrooms have, uh, like, an outside entrance. So you can go into the yard okay. and, like – it is pretty cool. Um, 
So we get there and, you know, I snag one of these awesome bedrooms that has, um, you know, an outdoor entrance because that sounds amazing. And um, somebody's stuff is already there. And I know who it is. It is this guy who I've been communicating with about, um, you know, finding the house. And he's definitely been one of the most kind of involved people in the process. And, you know, I've scoped him out on Facebook a little bit and, you know, just innocently. And he seems like a very, (laughs) (laughs) yes, exactly. He seems like he's very cool, like very like outdoorsy because the school is super outdoorsy. And, um, yeah, he's, he just seems like he really like knows, knows how to do life, you know? And then his emails are, are really like detailed and personable and just, but also at the same time, kind of like professional, you know, he just seems like an adult. (laughs) Like he just seems, he seems like he's knowledgeable. And so he snagged one of the other bedrooms. Writing to inquire about the double trailer (laughs) on a double lot. I bet you anything I could scare up an email or two. Um, but I actually, yeah, I actually deleted every email he ever sent me at one point. So I really only have. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> foreshadow. Okay, sorry. Not so. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Anyway. Um, but yeah. So like he. Everyone just pretends she didn't say that. Yeah. Yeah. We could. I don't know. We could get rid of that or, or we could not. I mean, I guess it just creates some, some intrigue. Um. But anyway, so we get there. My parents are like helping me settle in. They're like, you know, buying me some kitchen stuff and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And um, it comes time to we're, we're there, I think, one night and a couple days. And then I have to go to the airport to pick up this guy. And so I go there and, um, you know, I insist that I my parents will not accompany me on this mission. Um, that I will <laughs> go by myself because I am now an adult. And, um, so I go to pick him up and, you know, he just kind of comes, he comes out of the night. I remember, cause it was this like this tiny airport and it, I, I roll up to this like small parking lot and he's like already, his flight has already landed and, um, you know, post pre smartphone. Um, but we do have cell phones. So I think he like called me or texted me or something and he just comes out of the night. He's like this tall, um, yeah, kind of like lanky, but like strong looking, And yeah, he's just like, he like gives me a hug, you know, we hug and we're like, oh, hi, how's it going? And then um, I'm like, all right, well, hop in the car. And then he gets in the in the car and I'm driving. And um, the funny part about this drive is that I'm just kind of like chattering on. Um, I'm just like (laughs) talking his ear off about like any random thing, which is, you know, I've is very me. I've always been. I've always been that person, <laughs> you know. Um, like you chatting? Yeah, exactly. I'm just I'm just kind of like <laughs> filling the space between us with words essentially. Um and I missed the turn to our house. Um and um I at the last second kind of like swerved and I so that I could make the turn. <laughs> like I drove over a curb and I just kind of kept talking and uh he would later tell me he thought that that was fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, I played it off. I thought I played it, played it cool, you know? And, uh, <laughs> I feel like you definitely didn't notice. <laughs> um, the next day is my parents' last day and they, uh, are, ta- they take us to dinner and, you know, he, it's just, it's very clear that this guy is just, he's just very self-possessed. He has all these like interesting stories, you know, he, he just gets along really well with adults. Um, he just, he, he just kind of reads as somebody who is like 
just good at things and capable. Um, and so my parents are very like charmed by him, you know, they're like, Oh, <laughs> you, you know, he's very cool. And, um, I think I, I kind of think they like let me have a beer or something out when we're out to dinner. No, but I think that was just, that was just him. Cause he had a fake ID. So, Oh, this is what happened. He had a fake ID. So he ordered a beer. And I think, I think my parents, God, I don't remember if my parents like were onto that fact or not. I think that he just like, he either like just did it and like they didn't ask questions or they like knew that it was a fake ID and he didn't like, didn't really like say anything. Cause like that was like how smooth he was, you know, like he's, he really, he just. Cause he's 19, yeah. right? He's, he's one 19. year older than you. He's not 21. Yeah. He's actually 19. Wow. That is that is really ballsy. He's 19. Yeah. yeah. That's really ballsy to just whip out a fake ID yeah. in front of like, some parents. Yeah. yeah. Just be like, yeah, by the way, I'm going to be living with your daughter and buying her all the alcohol she needs. Yeah. So. I, and I and I do wonder like what my parents thought because <laughs> my mom was like, oh my gosh, he's cute. And I mean, which is really yeah. funny considering the fact that like your 18 year old daughter is like about to be living with this guy. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's like you're just encouraging us to have a relationship. But like that's the kind of guy number five was, you know, he was just people just like trusted him and like they just people believed. wanted to marry their daughters often. <laughs> he could have been a cult leader. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he kind of could have been. He was always sort of like the. Oh, ring he could have. Been. Yeah, he was like the ringleader. He just he was just he was like a good time. But also you just trusted that he could figure things out, you know, Um yeah. Yeah. So uh, my parents leave the next day and I will never forget like what it feels like to have that kind of first morning living in your own house. Like, and you're like, oh my gosh, my parents are gone. And then you're like, my parents are gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then also it was, this was like five days before our orientation would start. So, uh, and none of our roommates were there yet. Um, they were arriving in like four days, like three or four days, I think. So we had like a chunk of time to ourselves. And it was mm -hmm. that feeling of like, we don't have anything that we should be doing today and everything is new and exciting. And so, yeah, so he like makes us breakfast and, you know, we're just kind of chatting and we hadn't really like discussed, oh, we're going to hang out. But, and so I think at first we were like, oh, well, what are you going to do today? And then he was like, oh, well, what are you going to do today? And so we're like, um, I was like, let's like explore town. And I was like, you know, are there, is there like a river or something? Cause you know, it was Arizona in August. And, um, we found out that you toasty. Know, yeah. We've, it was really hot. And so we found out that there was, uh, some lakes that we could go to. So we went to the lake and we swam in the lake. And later we found out that you shouldn't swim in any lakes in Arizona because they're all man-made, especially like these particular ones. Like we would tell people, Oh yeah, we went swimming at so-and-so lake. And they were like, uh, yeah, that's probably, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know like what the implication a chemical is. Bath, yeah. If you will. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the implication is like that it will like melt your skin or that later you'll have cancer. I don't know. But um Jesus. on the way home we're uh, we're kind of talking about you know what are we going to do new next? In town. Yeah, we're new in town. He has a car also by the way. Um and so we're like, "Oh, well what are we going to do next?" And we're like, "Oh, well let's paint our fence." And so we go to Home Depot, we get um, a bunch of different like brightly colored cans of spray paint and we go back and we paint our fence and you know it's just <laughs> that's what you do when you have nothing to do <laughs> <laughs> when you have absolutely nothing to do and you know we were just dedicated to like making our house 
like to setting up our house. You know, I think we went thrift store shopping and um, we just kind of walked around town and explored the area. And uh, I remember one night we ended up uh, going out bar hopping and they let me in the bar. Well, we didn't go bar hopping. We went to one bar and they didn't card me. And I was very, very excited because I had never in my life been anonymous before. Um, Mm, Like ever, basically. And so... Yeah. So I, that was just a really exciting feeling for me. And, you know, that was when like, I felt like we were definitely starting to flirt a little bit more because we were like dancing and, um, you know, he didn't know, like he was like a terrible dancer. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, number five, if you're listening, but I mean, there's a lot more things you're going to hate me for saying, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that's the least of our <laughs> what was kind of fun about that is like, I was like a decent dancer and I kind of had grown up, you know, not swing dancing a lot, but just kind of being around like kind of Western music a bit. And, um, I felt like it was kind of my chance to like bring him out of his shell. Whereas I think in a lot of, uh, things that we had done, he was sort of the expert or like knew a bit more than I did. Um, yeah, but the great thing about him, you know how to make breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like the great thing about him though, is that he's like down to like try new things, which is awesome. So, um, yeah. so we, yeah, so we get a That's little a drunk and we're at this, like, it's like a Western bar that we end up getting into. So it's, it's kind of hilarious. Oh yeah. So you feel right. Out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's like a cowboy bar. Um, and, Perfect. uh, what I remember about this is that um, there's this uh, guy who comes up to us who's drunk and um, he kind of like has like a mystical kind of like feel to him a little bit. He has like these long black braids and he's, um, you know, he's just intent on giving us, some, imparting us young youngins with some wisdom. And, you know, he tells <laughs> us, uh, he like assumes that we're together and he says, he tells us not to ever take each other for granted Um, and so we are, we're like, oh, well, this is silly because we're not a couple, you know? (laughs) (laughs) What is he now? You're like, yeah. Oh my gosh. We look like we're a couple. That's so crazy. Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Um, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, um, we get to the point, um, the next day. Good advice though. It was good advice. And yeah, he gives it, he says some other things, but basically he's, I feel like he's, it's almost, I almost look back on this and I'm like, it feels like a warning to some extent. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like a sign that, right. you know, we didn't heed this guy's warning or whatever. Um, the next day yeah. is our last day alone. And, um, you know, we're kind of having like a more like chill, like laid back day, kind of just getting ready for our friends to arrive. And number five goes out and buys some beer and um, we decide to take a little walk, um, to our alleyway. Uh, basically isn't like, it doesn't have a, it's a dead end alleyway essentially. So we walk up into the dead end alleyway and we're, we kind of find ourselves in this really private little clearing in the middle of town essentially. And there's trees all around us, but then there's like an opening, um, where we can see through which we can see the stars. And there's like this perfect place to kind of like lay down, um, in the dirt. And, uh, we're just kind of like laying there and, you know, we're having, much deeper conversations, like just talking a little bit more about our feelings and like our family and, you know, just stuff like that. Um, just opening up to each other, if you will. And, and I would, (laughs) and you would. And, um, at one point we kind of just like run out of conversation and he, he kind of, he kind of like says, you know, upward into the sky. Like he's like, Mariah, I'm kind of attracted to you. And I was like, 
I was like, play it cool, play it cool. <laughs> I was like, act like you don't care. Act like you're not just kidding. Um, and I just kind of like wait a beat and I'm like, I'm kind of attracted to you too. And then, you know, he kind of like waits a beat and then he leans over and he grabs my chin and he kind of lifts my chin up and he just kisses me like very softly on the lips. And of course, then, you know, I kiss him back. Things escalate. We're just making out. And and then I remember. Oh God. Yeah. Under the stars. Under the stars, you know, and it was just it was so romantic. And um, then he. I remember like him like, you know, we get up and I remember him like we were holding hands for the first time, you know, oh my God. And we were like, he was like leading me through the alleyway and through the yard. And then we went to his room and we just continue making out. And I was like, you know, I don't really want to have sex right now. Um, I just kind of want to like take things slow. And he was like, okay, I totally respect that. And so we just stayed up all night talking. And then I remember waking up the next morning to his smiling little face. Like he was just beaming at me, Um, (laughs) just looking at me like I was like, the I, looking at me like I was just this like ember of happiness that was just I don't know I don't know if that yeah. metaphor is is a uh, really does it justice but I just I don't know it just felt like so perfect to me because here was this person who was just self-possessed and worldly and really smart and really attractive and just kind of felt like he he fit like this version of myself that I wanted to be. And he just, mm-hmm. he felt like, he felt like my soulmate, you know, it just, it felt all too perfect that like I liked him and he liked me and he just seemed like the perfect human to me. And I just couldn't believe that like, you know, I was meeting like my future husband, you know, at this age. And, you know, I, I think that I, I hate I wish I could pretend that I didn't see things in terms of, oh, that's my future husband. And yeah, that sure isn't what I was like thinking at at 18. But, you know, I definitely had this like underlying belief that, you know, I was going to find my soulmate and that we were going to like run off into the sunset together and it was just going to be amazing. And then, you know, we were going to be happily married forever. Um, It was like a matter of time when you would find this person. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think I hadn't really started to doubt yet, like the, the, like, I guess the traditional path. I knew that I wanted to, I think that for sure there was something in me that didn't want to follow the traditional blueprint of like what a, what a life could be. Um, but I definitely believed that love would be a part of my life. So I think it, I was just like, well, of course. And then I'd already also had like a lot of like love and good experiences with people, you know? So I, I think I haven't really been fully like jaded yet at this point. I'm still super. Yeah, I mean, you're pretty young. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm still super like optimistic and, and like trusting and yeah. So yeah, it just feels amazing. And then um, number, I think just, I guess just to kind of wrap it up. So our roommates arrive and, if, and I'm like, okay, we need to pretend like we are not like that we don't like each other because I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. And then, of course, you know, like, so we meet them and we all hang out. Um, and, you know, I everyone's like getting along and, you know, having a good time. There's there's one other girl and then there's uh, four other guys, I think. No, three other guys. Um, and they're all like nerds. But, you know, that's exactly who I am. You know, it, it just feels like it like fits me really well. Like we all just are like, 
having a good time, you know, or honestly, that feeling of first being in college is a really fun moment for sure. Um, and yeah, of course they realize that we're probably together. And so like, we're not very good at like keeping the secret because it's so obvious that we are just perfect for each other. Um, my words, not theirs. <laughs> and yeah, how long does it take for people to find out? Would you say? Um, I think, well, the, the girl said she picked up on it like immediately. Um, and I think the guy is probably just didn't care, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then, yeah, ex- exactly. And then we have orientation and, uh, orientation is basically it's a three week backpacking trip, but the first, um, but before we leave on that trip, we are doing like an in-person session at like at this campground in town with all of the different groups. And then for the backpacking trip, we're all going to be divided into smaller groups. So essentially we're going to be separated for three weeks. Uh, number five and I, and, um, no. yeah, so we're like preparing for that. And I remember we sneak away from, from this kind of pre backpacking trip, uh, orientation, like section, I guess, um, where we're camping out. We're supposed to camp, we're supposed to stay camped out at the place where, you know, everyone, all the other freshmen are. Um, and we sneak back to our house and, uh, have sex for the first time on our couch, um, because all of our roommates are gone. And yeah, so bad. Such little rebels. Yep. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. Um, We went on orientation. I thought about him all the time and just how perfect he was for me. And he did too. He wrote me like all these little letters that he gave me after we got back. And um, yeah. And then that was just it. You know, that's my number five. Yeah. All right. So that's your number (laughs) five. But wait, what's your number though? Well, I still don't know. I mean, believe it or not, number five is not the last. So, oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Stay tuned next time for... I don't care. Who knows? It makes me kind of nervous when you say you've got no purpose. Thanks for listening to What's Your Number? This episode was produced by Moshe and O.H. Greenwood. Our theme music is by No Fancy. Learn more about the podcast at our website, whatsyournumberpod.com. Follow us on Instagram at whatsyournumberpod and on Twitter at therewasthisguy. If you enjoyed what you heard today, leave us a review wherever podcasts are found and subscribe to hear about more sexcapades.